Thank you so much for listening to us today. We're glad that you're here. Please enjoy this message from Pastor Bo Ireland. And as always, like us on Facebook at Southern Hills United Methodist Church. And visit our website at www.shumcokc.org. We have a special treat for you today. I mean, as if you haven't had enough treats already. The singing's been good. The praying's been awesome. But we have, we have a special video for you. Our youth group, over the past couple months, we've been working our way through a study in the book of Psalm. And we've been studying how each of the Psalms is a different way for us to pray to God. Some of them are prayers of complaint. Some of them are praise of, prayers of praise. And in the midst of that, we have Psalms that are of orientation. Everything's right in the world. Psalms of disorientation. Nothing is right in the world. And then psalms of reorientation where we come back full circle and we say, Ah, there you are, God. I've been missing you. So, as we explored our psalms, the youth picked Psalm 23. And we have recorded for you a video of an interpretive dance. And so today, I hope that you enjoy Psalm 23. Aren't they awesome? Now, if you watched the video and thought, wait a minute, you guys on Wednesday night were having liturgical dance team training and I was here, we have a spot for you. Don't worry. We're going to start a whole team and if you would like to be on the liturgical interpretive dance team, just call Michelle. She'll, she'll sign you up, but get in early. I know it's going to fill up quick. My favorite part of this video is when they do the valley of the shadow of death. And then as someone unsuspecting walks through, they pull out the pinky daggers and they start to try to get them. But they're strong in the Lord and they keep on walking. Our passage today is about that valley. The valley of the shadow of death. The valley of the dry bones. You know, These are places that we don't want to go back to. Each of us have a valley of dry bones that we carry with us. And we don't want to go back there. In the book of Ezekiel, we find that Ezekiel was called from a dry valley. And he has a mountaintop experience through his call. He gets to see that holy throne room gathered around the cherubim, the seraphim flying around imaginable things are happening that he is only partially able to describe in Scripture. And then after that mountaintop experience, he's brought back to the valley floor because we don't just get to walk out of hurt and heartache and never return. No, we're actually called to go back to those places so that we can bring that healing. So this, uh, this passage made me think about old country songs. You know the ones, putting a little tear in the beer, hanging out and, and really feeling sorrowful. It reminded me of when I used to ride around with my grandfather in West Texas and we would have a hundred plus degree heat and he would roll the windows all the way up in the pickup. 
And he'd put on those sad country songs and, and play Hank Williams for me and, and Don Williams and, you know, all of the others. And we'd drive around, and as he sang along and hummed along, he would puff along. And with the windows open, he'd, he'd smoke inside of the pickup. And I think you would be arrested for that nowadays. They probably, there's some kind of police out there that would find you, pull you over, and rescue the small child sitting in the pickup with you that's wondering, can they even see the road through the cloud of smoke inside the cab? In the midst of that, he used to play Marty Robbins. And, and I, I, I grew this real fondness for those, those sad ballads, the one I remember most. I don't know who sang it. It was a medley album that he had, and it sang about down in the valley. You know this one. Down in the valley, the valley so low, hang your head over, hear that wind blow. And I remember hearing that and listening to the lyrics and imagining that person so lonesome in the depth of the valley and wondering about that wind that was blowing, looking for riders, for messengers to come. I still love that song. In the depth of that valley and in those, those sad country songs, we hear about broken relationships. That one's pretty common. Broken bodies, usually from bull riding. That happens a lot in the, in the country songs. But there's also a loss of self and a loss of identity. I'm not even sure I, who I am anymore without you. <laughs> That's usually where we're at in that. I don't know who I am without you. Deep down in the valley. And we each have those heartaches. We have those moments of wounding where we're either wounded or we've wounded others. And we're looking for those moments that we don't have to go back to the valley. We don't have to see the bones. But that is where God is calling us. He calls Ezekiel from the valley up to the mountain. And then he sends him back to the valley. And we're called to do the very same. The role of the prophet the one that we find here that's called the human one is God's mouthpiece. He also serves a different purpose. If you'll, if you'll remember in, in our liturgical calendar, today is Trinity Sunday. The day when we, we try to preach a little bit of a message that talks about the Trinity of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I saw a meme this week that was really funny. It said, if you're going to try to preach on the Trinity of the Holy Spirit and not commit heresy, then just don't. And I thought, well, how terrible is that? And then I thought, you know, what I've always been trained is when you try to describe the mystery of the Trinity of God, the best way to do it is to say, there are three parts. There is God the Father. There is God the Son. There is God the Holy Spirit. And to explain it, well, it's a holy mystery. <laughs> and so, without committing any heresy, I've completed my task for you today. It is a holy mystery. And in this passage, 
you will find that there is God the Father giving the direction, the call, and taking the prophet out to do the work of Christ, the human one, God in flesh. God's holy messenger is sent to a hurting world. That's in there. And then in the talking about those wounds, he heals the bones, puts flesh back on them, brings them back to life through the Holy Spirit, that holy wind, that breath that's breathed into them. We're called to do this same work. In fact, not only is Ezekiel called to be God's mouthpiece, we're called. Today, I want you to think about being a prophet or a prophetess. We can do both. We're called to go and speak truth and love to the dry bones. Have you ever handled the dry bones? Have you ever actually touched a bone that has been in the dirt so long that it is fragile? It's dry enough to just fall apart. Years and years ago, I worked on an archaeological survey team. And while I was working with them, I wasn't highly trained. I didn't have a degree. I was their grunt labor. I was big and I was strong. And I had a shovel. It was not the the small spade like you see at the archaeological digs where they're taking little teaspoons of dirt away and then brushing it away with a paintbrush. No. They gave me the full-size spade. And they would go out and they would find some uh, little site of archaeological importance. And then they would set me to task. And they would say, ah, this area right here, very important. We need to create a corridor. That means that we have isolated this. So would you dig a trench all the way around this site? You know, about a foot and a half wide, maybe foot, two foot deep. I guess I will. And that spade that I used became my bone finder. I found so many important pieces out there that they later discovered. You know how it works. And I would go to digging, and as I was not supposed to find anything in this corridor, I'd be digging along, and, oh, there's a mammoth tusk. (laughs) Oh, there's arrowheads. Oh, there's fire-cracked rock. And then they would say, oh, very good. We'll take it from here. We're going to need you to start the perimeter over out a little further. I did that on a mammoth dig at Canton Lake here in Oklahoma. We dug a mammoth up out there, and we started by finding an exposed tusk and a tooth, and we were going to try to salvage those and send them to the Fred Noble Museum. As I started doing my chore, my digging, I found the other tusk, the rest of the bones, and the rib cage. What was really interesting, though, is the bones were so old that they were so fragile that when you tried to touch them, some of them, especially the rib bones, would fall apart. And so they would wrap the important parts in plaster and then take them out of the dirt and take them back to the museum. The rib bones, on the other hand, they would say, those are trash. They're worthless. There's no good use for them. We can't collect them. So throw them in the lake, throw them in the trash, take some home. So at home, I have a whole 
cabinet, big gallon Ziploc bag of mammoth bone. And I'm so proud of it. Someday I, I'm going to tell my grandkids, I got mammoth bones. <laughs> I'm going to pull them out and show them these, these fragile bones that if you press on them, they'll, they'll turn to dust. We find bones out in this world, and some of the bones that we encounter out there, we don't think are worth much. You've heard the saying, a bag of bones. Sometimes a bag of bones is not worth anything. In fact, it costs people money. I was looking on the... This sermon went down a rabbit hole at one point, and I was looking at trying to figure out how much a human skeleton costs, how much are the bones worth? Now, if it's, if it's an important person, I mean, their bones can go for a lot of money, 100,000 bucks. But if you're not well-known, if you're a nobody, your bones aren't worth anything. And some of the bones that we see still are people walking around, and they're already experiencing that, where people look at them and say, you're nobody, you've wasted your life, you're nothing. You're not worth anything. Ezekiel comes to breathe new life, especially into those bones and into our bones as prophets so that we go out to the world to begin that restorative process that regenerates people. We walk through our own valleys. And as we walk through them, we embrace our hurts. We have to revisit those. And in embracing and finding those hurts, we take the depth of them. And we take them back out to the world so that other people who are suffering those same heartaches can experience a healing. And we get to do that as God's mouthpiece and as Christ's representative I had this really cool experience years ago. There was a guy that I liked hanging out with, and he, uh, he had this verse on a little motorcycle vest. We were riding together in a motorcycle outfit, and he had this verse stated right there, Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. And then above it was his biker name, and his biker name was Bone Duster. And I liked Bone Duster. Bone Duster was a cool guy. He was also a United Methodist pastor, still is, Stephen Hale. Love him to death. And I remember one day asking him about that, and he said, well, because I like to go out and dust the bones. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> I like that. And then one day he called me and he said, hey, there's a, there's a young kid that got hurt, and uh, he's having to have, it was a car accident. His mom's there. He needs prayer. Would you go and visit him? He's a big fan of the motorcycle outfit, and he thinks we're all pretty cool. So would you go? I can't get there. And so I put my motorcycle vest on. I went up to visit him. And I was at his bedside. And he was groggy. He was coming out of some anesthesia. And he looks up at me and he goes, Bone Duster, <laughs> you're here. <laughs> I think we should each have that same moment. When we come to dust someone's bones and breathe new life into them. And maybe we're not remembered as the motorcycle guy, but we get to be Christ at the bedside. And we get to breathe new life into them. We get to be bone dusters. We've been talking this month about 
stories of perseverance, of endurance, of new life. And that's all in this passage. As I was thinking about this passage, I also thought about the movie Hildalgo. Has anybody seen this movie? I love this movie. It's a story about the wild Mustangs and about this man, Frank Hopkins. And Frank Hopkins is a courier, a messenger. And he takes messages to the U.S. Calvary. He is part Euro-American and he's also part Native American. He's part of the Lakota Sioux tribe. And as he's going, he rides these Mustangs that are full of endurance, full of spirit. And he takes messages to the U.S. Calvary. And one of the messages that he delivers is the authorization for a massacre of his tribe. He delivers this to the U.S. Calvary and they commit the massacre of Wounded Knee. And he is hurt. He's wounded. And it leads him into depression, into alcoholism, into that self-loathing. That hurt is felt and he, he feels bad about what's happened. He didn't commit the atrocity, but he delivered the order. And he runs, and he runs far away, and he ends up being part of a, a, a circus almost outfit. And as he's part of that, he gets to hear about this race, this race of endurance, of perseverance that takes place out in the Arabian desert. And they have these fine horses, Arabian stallions bred for the task. And he makes a little bet. He says, I'll bet my Mustang can do it. And he goes there and there's a, watch the movie, there's a whole series of heartaches and troubles that he's got to overcome. It's a 3,000 mile race. And he takes the race with his good friend and horse named Hildalgo. And along the way, they've encountered numerous heartaches and they're walking through the desert. The, hurt, the horse is hurt. He is dying. They're, they haven't had anything to drink. And he starts to pray and chant out his Lakota Sioux prayers. And he returns to the valley where this hurt started. He confronts it. And in the process of that, he walks out. And he is healed spiritually in the midst of that. Regeneration in his soul through what St. John of the Cross would call a dark night of the soul. Now, if you're already thinking that I've been there, I've walked through the dark night of the soul, let me just say that Thomas Merton says that we will have more than one dark night of the soul. More likely our... Our spiritual journey will go from a valley to a mountaintop. We'll have the dark night of the soul, and then we'll return and have another dark night, another mountaintop. And so our spiritual journey, instead of looking like this, looks more like this or like this. That's more like our spiritual journey. We have these dark nights. And in the midst of those dark nights, if we look for Christ's messenger, the messenger will appear and bring us comfort and healing 
to that dark, dry valley. And in the process of that, we will be formed to take that light and that healing to someone else who is suffering that. We have to be vulnerable enough to open it up and say, yeah, I've been to that valley. Let me tell you how to get out of it. It's what Christ did for me, and I'll do it for you. It's impossible to think that such a thing could be done. 3,000 miles for a horse race sounds pretty intense. Let's make, it, let's make it less, but even harder. I heard a story this past week that I thought was amazing because we say that we can do amazing things in Christ, but sometimes we say we'd like to do that, but it's impossible. Making dry bones live again, it's impossible. We might say that. But the prophet says, Lord, you know, only you know if it can live again. Here's something that's impossible. Have you ever heard of the man-horse race? It's a race where a man races a horse. And it all began about 20 years ago when, when there was a man who walked into a bar. And we're going to talk about a bar bet. And he sat down on Whiskey Row out in Prescott, Arizona. And as he sat down, there was an old cowhand sitting at the other end of the bar. And he said, where you been, friend? <laughs> And the man had just finished running a marathon. And he said, well, I'm here to wet my whistle. I just finished running a marathon, and I'm a little thirsty. And the cowboy says, well, how far did you run? About 26 miles. And the cowboy says, my horse could run that in a couple hours. Not that big a deal. And the man said, how about this? How about next week, you and I get together, and I'll outrun your horse. <laughs> Is that impossible? Well, it was until this year. For 20 years, they've held this race. And over and over, they've raced man against horse. But this year, the horse got to meet a man named Nick Curry. And Nick Curry arrived on the scene the night before the race, slept in his car got up the next morning while they're smoothing the horses out, making sure they're all watered, and he kind of stretched out a little bit, and then they sent him off. Said, it's time to run, and the horses left them all in the dust. This race takes place in the mountains, and you start at 5,000 feet above sea level, and you keep going with an elevation gain of about 2,700 feet. They call it the knee-to-chin grade, where they keep moving, and it's steep, it's harsh. They said that at one point, Nick Curry came flying by while they had to walk their horses up the grade, and he went on past them, and they never caught up. He just kept going. I thought, man, now that is amazing. Who would have ever said that a man could outrun a horse? I wouldn't. My, my, my money would be on the horse. In this case, I would have lost. The impossible can be done. Against the odds, this human perseveres. Ezra called from the valley. 
as the prophet to Israel so that the dry bones can live again. We are each called to be prophets and prophetesses to speak that word of life to a world around us that's hurting. And if you're looking around going, I don't see it, I'll help you out. Open your eyes and look. You'll see people who are suffering from addiction, from affliction, who are lonely, who are tired, people who are struggling and just need a word of hope. Let's give it to them. Look around at our denomination. It's struggling. This is where I say, put our heads down and just keep running. Persevere. Run on. Run long. Run hard. Just keep going. And when you meet someone else on that road who's struggling, be that messenger of God. Be that Christ figure that speaks a word of hope to them. Breathe new life into them through the Holy Spirit. Bring them along so that they are healed also. Will you pray with me? God, give us the courage to go forth from this place empowered as prophets who speak truth and love and breathe new life into people by taking our own hurts that you have healed or are in the process of healing and giving them over so that others can share with us and we can both experience new life and regeneration in you that takes us closer and closer to building a whole and holy kingdom here on this earth. Empower us to do that holy work this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to us today. We hope that message inspires you. As always, be sure to tune in next week.